Okay, take your Bibles this morning and turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. This will be the third lesson in this series, Made Nigh by the Blood. And I think one of the most comforting and encouraging things that the child of God should know and should understand and should, by God-given faith, rest and believe in is the fact that we are like these verses that we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. We are made nigh. We're brought near to God. Now, there's a sense in which all God's children do indeed fear the Lord. We preached on that, uh, I think, last week. We talked about in the worship hour the fear of the Lord. We know Solomon said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But the fear that the child of God has uh, toward his heavenly Father is not like the fear that the natural man feels toward this God who they know by nature. They know he will by no means. I still think one of the series of the scriptures that I enjoyed, and it's been so long ago that they're just out there in audio. They're not out there in video format. One of the best series that I enjoyed studying and preparing and delivering was on the Song of Solomon. because yeah, It's just one of those passages of scripture, a, a book, in the Old Testament, that so many people just, they, they look at it from a wrong perspective. It's all about how to have a happy family or a happy wedding or a happy marriage or happy this or happy that. It's about God's relationship to his church, Christ and his people. And one of the things that always jumped out into me is the, 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 the woman, the bride, she says this, she makes this statement. I think it's in Song of Solomon chapter 1. She says, draw me... In other words, I can't, I can't come on my own. Draw me, and what will we do? We, not just her, but it's a reference to what? All the church drawn by God, what do they do? We'll run to you. <laughs> See, God's reconciled to you this morning. Do you realize that? You, you ought to memorize, to wit, First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, to wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now, again, words mean everything. Not reconciling the world unto himself. And you say, see there? Not you. <laughs> the world says, see there? There it is. There's that world, world, world word. Yeah. He, he loves everybody. He's trying to save everybody. He wants everybody to be saved. I, I read a, 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 a deal this week by a, a man who was reformed, and he, he said that Christ came in the world to make salvation accessible. And he claimed to be reformed, accessible to all men. Now, what is that? In, in essence, I, now he'd never admit this, but that phrase implies this, who'd Christ die for? I'm, I'm telling you, if you take that position, you take that opinion, you, in essence, even though you might claim you don't believe it, you're, you're saying that there's people that Christ died for that ultimately end up in hell. Do you understand that? That's not the case. This God has been reconciled to his people and reconciled to his people on a just and holy ground. He's not trying to save anybody. 
He sent his son into this world, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem every single solitary one of them, all the elect of God in every generation, to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Now, how do we define who that world is? Well, the next phrase does it. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. Okay? So if he's reconciled the world unto himself, and part of that reconciliation involves their sin not being charged to them, and world means world, all men and women without exception. And King David said, blessed is the man, or blessed transgression forgiven, blessed iniquity covered, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Okay? Just connect the dots. If he's not imputing sin, and David says the man or woman's blessed that God won't charge sin to, and God says he's not imputing the sins of the world to them. If world is talking about everybody out there, listen, seriously, we can quit. There's nothing we need to do. Because he ain't, it, listen, where sin's not imputed, there's no guilt. There's no condemnation. There's no alienation. And that's what Paul's setting forth for us here. But here's the thing. Keep in mind, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath given to us this ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was, you know, that, that what, what's that meaning? What are we ambassadors of? What do we declare to men and women? What do we to tell to sinners by birth, by nature, by practice, and by choice? Those who are alienated in their minds by wicked works, those who are enemies against God, those whose minds are at enmity against God, what do we tell them? Won't you let Jesus into your heart? Huh? You remember all them days in false religion? I remember the preacher, that I, not the preacher, the dude I started under. I just call him the dude. I said, I won't, I, just, for, just for manner's sake, I won't call him a false prophet, even though he was a false preacher, false, false apostle. But I remember him standing up at the pulpit, and it got me, just like it got you, get to the end of the service, and he'd say, you know what's coming next, don't you? <laughs> Christ is at your heart's door knocking. Won't you let him in? Huh? Is that the kind of God you want? The kind of Christ you serve? That's sitting there with tears running. Yeah, they, 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 everything is emotion. Tears streaming down his face. He, oh, won't you come to me? <laughs> he makes his people willing in the day of his power. I tell you, we were in an awful shape, every one of us. Every one of us can find ourselves in the, the first. 11 or so verses, the first 16 or so verses of this chapter. You know, if, you, if, you be, if you've been justified by God's amazing grace in Christ, you know what you were. And i tell you something else you know, something we don't like to admit. You know what's in your heart right now. <laughs> 
Oh, they're good people down there at Grace. I hope we are looked upon by the world as men and women who are compassionate and kind and loving and gracious and, and love the Lord and love the gospel. But that don't make us accepted. Huh? What does? But by grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's the gift of God. How was that accomplished? God made us nigh by the blood of his dear son. The only thing that was required and the only thing that would do and could accomplish this was what? The blood of his dear son. I know there's a group of individuals out there that try their dead level best to say, you folks don't care about obedience. Yes, we do. But for a different reason altogether. And it ain't to prove who in Grace Baptist Church is quote unquote saved. It's grace and gratitude to him who loved you and gave himself for you. You don't come to church because you think if you don't come to church, you're going to go to hell because you missed today. If you do, you're in the wrong place. Seriously, well, I know you're in the right place. If you want to go to lecture, you're in the right place. you got to hear this gospel. Somebody's got to tell you about this righteousness. And I'm going to tell you what, you're not going to read about it and figure it out. Now, let's pick up this morning in verse 17. We're talking about made nigh by the blood. This will be part three. Verse 16, where we left off last week, and he said, and that he might reconcile both, both Jew and Gentile, not all the world, but his elect among the Jews and his elect among the Gentiles, he might reconcile both unto God in one body. That, that body is what? It's the church. What's Abraham a member of? The church. What's Abel a member of? Huh? The same church. What was our fallen father, Adam, a member of? Is he distinct from us? He's separate from us? He's saved in some other way than us? Huh? Part of the same church. What did God do? He reconciled both. We could, we could go this way. Both in the Old Testament, both in the New Testament. Both from the beginning of time to the end of time. He reconciled all his people. No matter their, their nationality, their creed, he reconciled them to, themself, to himself by the, at the cross. By the cross, by his obedience unto death, <clears throat> by his bloody sacrifice, having slain, think about it, having slain the enmity thereby. Now look at verse 17, 18. And came and prayed, Preach peace to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. Now, I don't have it in my notes, but it's just something that just jumped out to me when I read that verse. Who came and preached peace to you? <laughs> well, Brother Richard did. No. <laughs> I can declare peace to you, but I can't, I can't preach it and reveal it to you. Who preaches it to you? Our Lord Jesus Christ, and the thing about this, he said, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also must I bring. 
and they will hear my voice, right? My sheep hear my voice, not the voice of another. They hear his voice. So Christ, now God does use means, and who's his means? You might be the means. We're going to see when we get over in chapter 4, this entire body of believers, we make up the gospel ministry in this local area. Think of the responsibility we have. Huh? That's why, I mean, that's why we do what we do. Folks, listen, if, if I didn't think that it was absolutely essential for men and women to hear this gospel in order to be saved, we would shut this sermon audio feed down today. No, we would. Now, we might Zoom meeting with some of the brethren, but if I'd say just leave them alone, because that's what I used to think. I used to think everybody's my brother in Christ, as long as they believe in Jesus. Till somebody came along and told me about this one who reconciled people, who actually saved his people, who he himself comes and preaches. He met Saul of Tarsus on the road to Damascus. That was, a, that was a unique instance there. He didn't send a man. He sent out an ice to him later, but our Lord himself met Saul of Tarsus because he, he had a great work to do that through that man. That man needed a close fellowship and association with this person, unlike others. So he was unique, but Christ went to him. Christ, Christ went to his apostles after he was raised from the dead, didn't he? He told them, after I'm dead, go down yonder and I'll meet you. I'll come to you. You ain't coming to me. What am I? I'm going to come to you. So he says he goes and preach, preach gospel, preaches to them that are far off and to them that are nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. You know what we see here? We here see here God's testimony once again concerning the absolute necessity of the preaching of the gospel. It kills me how those that are of certain religious persuasions seem to think, and I've heard them make statements like this, that they don't, and, and see, that it's, it's, it's all straw men is what it is. I, 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 I what, tried to watch a message this week by a guy on the, the, the era of, Gospel regeneration. As he said, and he made this statement that if, if you believe that the gospel has to be preached, you have denied Genesis, I mean, John chapter 3, where it says, The Spirit bloweth where it, the wind blows where it listeth, and now here's the sound thereof, but you can't know where it's coming from, and you can't know where it's going to. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Now listen, and his point was this. The gospel is not what regenerates people. And it's not. Who regenerates them? The Spirit does. But how does the Spirit reveal himself? See? Again, be careful, careful, careful about what you say about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, according to our Lord Jesus Christ, when He comes, after He comes, who's He going to speak of? Who's He going to reveal? 
And how is he revealed? By some mystical, emotional, ethereal thing in our head? We're sitting there one day and all of a sudden you think, you know, I think pretty good about that person Jesus Christ. Is that how it happens? Faith comes how? By hearing and hearing comes how? By the word of God. How can they call on him of whom they have not? I don't see how you can deny that. This gospel must be, that's why our Lord Jesus Christ said this gospel is going to be preached where? To the ends of the earth. Why? It is the God-appointed means that His Holy Spirit uses to preach out the righteousness of His dear Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're called on to preach. God the Holy Spirit has to do the work of quickening. But listen, it's pleased God to save His elect by the preaching of the gospel of God which declares the righteousness of God is the only ground, hope, cause of peace between God and sinners. Listen to Paul. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. What's he not ashamed of? The gospel of... What's that? That's good, the good news. Well, I've heard men say this. Even men that I one time respected, held, and I used to make this statement all the time from the pulpit. I was scared to death of him. If he was still alive today, I'd, I'd, I think I would have the audacity to walk up to him and tell him, explain that to me from the Scriptures. He would make this statement, God is absolutely sovereign. I acknowledge that, don't you, Kenny? I believe that God works all things according to his sovereign will, that our God is in the heaven whatsoever he hath pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and in all the deep places. All inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will among the armies of heaven. Heaven, among the inhabitants of the earth, none can stay his hand, none can say unto him, What doest thou? Agree with that. God is absolutely sovereign. I can hear his voice booming. That being the case, God can save his people when he will, in the way he will, whichever way he will. Now, we believe in the sovereignty of God, folks, but we don't push the sovereignty of God beyond what the limits of the Scripture tell us concerning the sovereignty of God. And when God tells us that he chose the foolishness of preaching, the foolishness of preaching, to call out his people to save sinners, that's what he says. Was the Holy Spirit used to call out his people? God's sovereign. But when he tells us what he's going to do, that's what he does. Every time. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Of a specific message. It's the good news of Christ, the Messiah. For it, that declaration of whatever this... This good news of Christ is, that declaration, what is it? It's the power of God. It's the dynamite of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, where in the gospel, that gospel of Christ, is the righteousness of God revealed. What's it doing? It's made manifest. From faith, this book, What's it made manifest to? Something that we don't have. By grace are you saved, what he said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself, it's a gift of God. So he reveals 
His word of truth, His word of faith, the gospel of our salvation. He reveals it to the faith that He creates in the heart, mind, soul of His understanding His people by the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of regeneration. Is that clear? I hope I hadn't muddied the water. Look over at, at Romans chapter 10. I don't know how I end up doing this. <clears throat> Look at verse 13. For who, whosoever, that word whosoever means all, all that call on him, call upon the name of the Lord, what do they call on? They don't call on the Lord Jesus Christ. What do they call on? The name of the Lord. <laughs> That's what they call on. A lot of people call on the, the they call on the Lord Jesus Christ to say, but they're not calling on the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is specific. What's the name of the Lord? Remember when he declared his name to Moses? What's his name? I'll have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. That's, that's his name. Now, how can he do that? You see that? How can God have mercy on whom he'll have mercy and have compassion on whom he'll have compassion? Can he just do it haphazardly or willy-nilly? Uh-huh. He has to do it in a way that he's glorified and honored. The only way he can do that is how? Through this person, the Lord Jesus Christ. How then, and notice what, because he starts beginning to ask questions. He told us everybody that calls on the name of the Lord, which by nature there's none will call, there's none that comes, there's none that understand it, they're all going out of the way, they're all together going to unprofitable. He said, all that call on that name, they'll be saved. That's the truth. But then he asked this question, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? You can't trust a Christ that you don't believe in. You don't, I remember what Paul say? I know whom I have believed. So first of all, unless you believed, you ain't calling on him because you don't trust that he can do what he says he can. <laughs> and how shall they believe? Because see, we, we just—it's just a downhill snowball, just rolling, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. How shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? Aren't you glad somebody came along and told you the truth? The Lord in his sovereign authority and power, if you hadn't been one of his elect, you know what would have happened? You would have never heard. Folks, there's people that sit in churches their whole life. And unless he's given them eyes to see, ears to hear, heart, mind, will to comprehend and understand, they will die in their sins. Be good people. Kind people. Moral people. Active people in the church doing everything, you know, that needs to be done. Supporting the church with their finances. But they ain't heard. Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears because they hear. And it ain't because you open them up on your own. <laughs> and how shall they hear? 
without a preacher. And that's just not me. That's every one of us as ambassadors. That's his, that's his messengers. You and me include all of us. And how should they preach except they be what? Sin. And here's the thing. When God sends his people, you know what they do? They go. Huh? As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. I think back to how, how refreshing it was to my soul the first time I heard the gospel. And the shock it was to my system that I was a preacher a preacher in a church, a group of individuals that loved me, and I loved, I loved all of them, Sally. I did. You know I did. I, I cared about those people out there. It changed everything. And there was no change in me. The change, you know what the change was? I know who I believed. And that changed everything. And then people that formerly loved me, you know what they thought? We're going to get together and vote this dude out. Why? Because if what he's saying is true, my mama and my daddy and my grandma and my brothers and my sisters and my friends and all these people I grew up with all my life, going to church and having cantatas and all this, they're all going to hell. What he's saying true? They, they know what you're saying. But again, it's not what we're saying. I'll never forget when that dude pinned me up inside that office back out there at that church when we were going through all that. And that man got me, Trey told me, I want to talk to you. And I, I, I should have got Bart to come down there with me, but I met him by myself at the church. And that little office was no bigger. You know how big the office was. It was, no, it was, it was about this size. With one door in, a desk built across the wall, one chair, a filing cabinet, and a chair sitting on the, by the filing cabinet. I was sitting at that chair, and he came inside. He had me blocked. I couldn't get to the door. And he looked at me, and he said, I've got one question that I want you to answer. And he said, depending on how you answer this question would determine whether or not we got a problem. And I looked at him. I said, okay, what's your question? I was a 26, 27-year-old man, child. I was a kid who had just come to believe the gospel. I knew what I'd believe. Couldn't, couldn't define everything, Kenny. I had, thankfully, I had all that religious Calvinistic background, but it was beginning to, the pieces were beginning to fall to piece together, but it was a slow process. He looked at me and he said, I'll tell you what. He said, are you saying by what you and that man is preaching? Talking about Henry Mahan. Are you saying that my grandma... And my grandpa and my friends and my family and all the people that I know and all the people in this church don't believe what you are preaching, what you're teaching. Are you saying that they're lost? That was a perfect opportunity to remove, like we're going to talk about this morning, remove the offense of the cross. And I looked at him and I said, no, sir. I said, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> and he kind of got this grin on his face like, okay, well, we're okay. I said, but. 
And it took a lot to say this because I'm sitting there looking at the door, and he was about as big a man as me, a truck driver. <laughs> Had a keychain big enough for you to pull that wallet out on that keychain. He beat me to death in the study with that thing. But I looked at him, I said, but that's what God's Word says. Anybody that doesn't believe and rest in this righteousness, I don't care how good they are, how moral they are, how long they've gone to church, how much you like them or I like them, and want them to be included. We cannot, and God's Word will not allow that to be the case. And he said, well, we got a problem. And I said, well, we, we do. And he got up and he stormed out. And that was the beginning of the end. And they all united. People that formerly hated one another and would not, in, they sat in the same pews together, had nothing to do with each other, and bad-mouthed each other all the time. I was the mediator between them all. This one would come to me and tell me how bad that one was. Don't go eat at their house because they don't clean their counters. You know, and they got dogs in the house. Another one would come to me, she's a snob, you know. And on and on. Got all these, these good Christian people. Got all these good things to say about everything. They hated. I didn't want nothing to do with each other. But then when the gospel came to town, they riding around side by side in the car together. Going around telling everybody, do you know what this guy is saying? What's the difference? They have never seen the righteousness of God. They've never heard the glad tidings of peace. Isaiah said they've not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And you know, the rest of that verse, who hath believed our report, the next part of that verse over in Isaiah, and it's this, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? What's his arm? Christ. That's the arm of Jehovah. You know, what's underneath, what, according to Moses, what's underneath all the children of God? Underneath? What's under us? The everlasting arms. Who's believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord? Who's Christ revealed to? Here it is. Faith comes how? I hear it. And here it comes by the word. Paul told those at Corinth, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. What does he use? The foolishness of preaching. For the Jews require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach, what do we preach? Christ crucified. They, they weren't looking for a crucified redeemer, a substitute, a surety, a mediator, somebody that can reconcile them to God. They wanted a king. They wanted a ruler. They wanted somebody to make Israel and Jerusalem what it was under King David's time. King David was looking for who? He would have gave his throne up for Christ's sake. He would have. But he goes on. And we're going to talk about this this morning. Hey, these words are the same words we're going to look at. Unto them that are called. 
Now, to the, the Greeks require, the Jews seek after a sign, the Greeks after, seek after wisdom. We preach Christ crucified, this message of a redemption through the blood and righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Unto the Jews, it's a stumbling stone. And that word stumbling stone, it, it, it means a, a trap stick. That's what it means means a stone of stumbling. Who's the stone of stumbling? They stumble at the stumbling stone. Who'd they stumble at? Christ. And to the Greeks, it's foolishness. And that word foolishness there is moron. That's <laughs> what we get our word moron from. So the, to, to, the, to the Greeks, it's, it's, it's a stumbling stone. I mean, to the Gentile Jews, it's a stumbling. To the Greeks, these people that are wise, what do they think of it? It's moronic to think that, that God would come here in, a, in human flesh and suffer and bleed and die and bear the sins of his people to save them from their sin. It's moronic, but to them that are called, but to them that are called, both Jew and Greek, this Christ that is foolishness and a stumbling stone to them, to those both Jew and Greek, out of that group that are called, which is the, the work of the Spirit. Christ, the power of God. What Paul says he's not ashamed of? The gospel of Christ, because it is what? It's the power of God. And Christ, what? The wisdom of God. <laughs> I always think about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and 31. I can remember it, but I can't. Part of, part of getting older. You'll understand it one day. But of, of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. First of all, what's he made to us? Wisdom. And I tell you what, our Lord looked at the Jews one day and he said, wisdom will be justified of her children. They acknowledged this is the only way. There's only one. Christ, the wisdom of God, he's made our wisdom, he's made our righteousness, he's made our sanctification, and folks, he's even made our redemption, the glorification of our bodies. All of it is where? It's in him. That according as it's written... Let him that glorieth glory where? In this one who's made their wisdom, their righteousness, their sanctification, and their redemption. That's all we glory in. That's what Paul said. God forbid that I should glory say what? In the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom this world is crucified unto me, and I am crucified unto this world. One more passage. But we are bound to give thank always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit. What's that? That's regeneration. And what's next? Regeneration, sanctification of the Spirit, the setting apart by the Spirit. And what's this? This is conversion, belief of the truth. But now listen to this one. This sanctification of the Spirit and this belief of the truth, how did we get there? Whereunto he called you, called you. How'd he call you? You're sitting out of a boat one day and you 
had a vision. <laughs> you heard a voice. I tell you, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I know this, this makes you laugh every time, but it's the truth. You start hearing voices, go somewhere. It, it's, it's foolish for people to say, well, the Lord told me. If, if he told me, he told me where. If you're hearing the Lord tell, whispering in your ear, something's wrong with you. Now, that's just the truth. He, in sundry times and in diverse manners, he did speak to the fathers that way. How does he speak to us now? Everything he's got to say to you and me, he wrote it down in the book. Everything. Where he called you by our gospel, and he called us, listen, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember our Lord's high priestly prayer? Father, the time has come. Glorify thy Son as thy Son hath glorified thee. Remember that? Huh? What's his glory? He said this, Glorify me with the glory which I had with you before the foundation were. That's the glory of Christ. You consider Paul's words concerning Christ preaching through the word of his apostles and his preachers. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. On what ground? For he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Not us, him. He knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. All those who preach the gospel, you included, what are we all? We're ambassadors for Christ. Every one of us. I'm not one whit ahead of anybody. I wouldn't want to be. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. I'm one who formerly was an alien aided in my mind by wicked works, was an enemy of God whose mind was at enmity against God. But he reconciled me to himself through the blood of his son. And he drew me near. And as an ambassador of Christ, what do we do? What do we, what do we preach? What do we preach? Look at verse 18, 19. He tells us what we preach. For through him, through him, we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. In verse 18, 19 there in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, verse 18, 19 of that same chapter, he told us, I quote it to you at the beginning of this long tirade that I've been on this morning. Uh, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That's what we tell people. That's what we preach. We preach what? This word of reconciliation. And this is so important. And if you don't get anything else this morning, I think it's about as far as I'm going to get this morning. Without this word of reconciliation preached, heard, understood, and believed in. There's no reconciliation. It's impossible. There's no access to the Father but through the Son. Christ said, no man comes unto the Father but by me. 
Just one way. Because by nature, you know what? We don't know anything about a righteousness and beauty. Think back over your history. Every one of us in here got a religious history. Tell me one time in your life, show me one sermon that you ever heard before you heard this gospel where somebody told you that your salvation was based on righteousness that you have no part in producing, no part in maintaining, one produced for you by one who resides now at the right hand of the majesty on high. One time, with no conditions. See, that's the thing. They might, they might skate around the edges of that that I just stated to you, but at some point, it's going to come back to something you do. Always does. But you got to go to church. But you better be something different now than you were before. Is there, is there really any difference in you now than there was before? Huh? I think we grow wiser. We, we might, when we get older, I told Pam the other day, I, yeah, I, I was writing, sending some of the last invoices to people that Pam's not going back. And I've, through the years, since I've been in the company with her for 15 years now, and I've done all the secretary work for the company for the last 15 years. I've got to know all these people through collecting money from them and sending invoices to them and asking them questions and sending them cards and thank yous and stuff through the year. And one of them I've grown to truly love and appreciate over in a place called Mangum, Louisiana, a little hole in the wall over outside of Rayville, Louisiana. And I wrote her a long little note and told her, I said, I've only got one more invoice I'll send you. And I was sitting there, and I'd be dead gum. I went to crying, Sally, while I was sitting there writing that in. And I went in there, and Pam said, what's up? I said, I must have had a stroke. <laughs> she said, why? I said, I was writing Judy a letter, and I said, I went to crying while I was writing a letter. She said, my God, what were you telling her? <laughs> I said, I was telling her how that this will bring to an end, me and her little conversation, because I'm pretty sure we'll, we'll fall away from one another, because that's the only communication we've ever had is over this company. You know, that's not what we're talking about. Y'all come on in. See, apart from this, that, that righteousness imputed, that, that work accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no hope and no ground and no God, cause of peace. God can only be glorified in our hearts as we see him honored in our salvation based on the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, freely imputed. It, listen, it's on Christ's righteousness alone that sinners have free, now think about this, we have free and we have permanent access to Him forever. We'll stop right there. We'll come back and we'll pick up in verse 19 next time. You're dismissed the worship. I appreciate your